the next instalment of our top fives uh, as you heard in the title sequence this week we'll be looking into top five champions so we're looking at those drivers that have won a British touring car title or more um, and more specifically we're looking at drivers from our era of being spectators and fans uh, so I've been spectating probably since about 2002 and you've been what 2005-ish yeah, around about 2005. Obviously, we all know that Andy Rouse is a four-time champion, etc., but yep. he's just not our era, um, and we just don't know enough about the sport at the time to really comment on it. And plus, people like modern stuff. It's one for yeah. the kids, this one. Yeah, um, and then at the end of this show, we'll bring you up to date with all the uh, British Touring Car news that we've been hearing about, um, just to keep everyone up, up to date with everything that's going on during the uh, pandemic. Uh, but I think we should get straight into it, and... Uh, We'll go in for number five of yours, mate. Okie dokie. So number five, um, he has to be in the list, in my opinion, for the fact he's got two titles. Yep. Uh, he's won them in different eras of the sport, or, um, two very different eras of the sport, actually. Uh, and he's a man who's also come second five times in the championship. It is Jason Blato, Mr. Marmite, love him or hate him. Uh, so his first championship came in 2001, uh, where he took five wins but 17 podiums, which wow. is incredible consistency. Uh, so when I talk about podiums throughout my top fives, I'm talking seconds or thirds. So yep. that's five wins plus 17 seconds or thirds, which is incredible. And then what's even more impressive, I think, for the era is that he won by 18 points, which for that competitive era is quite a landslide. Yeah, and I, I do believe in with that first title win, there were less races in the season as well, weren't there? Yeah, there were. There yeah. were. Um, and he just absolutely dominated 2001. Uh, was pretty much untouchable. Uh, and then in 2010, he won by even bigger gap. So he got seven race wins, uh, nine podiums, and won the championship by 31 points, which, again, is a massive gap for the year. And you consider the last few champions we've had, gone down to the final day, won it by a couple of points here yeah. or there, to have won it by 31. Yeah, that's impressive, absolutely isn't dominant. it? And that was Dominant. in that was in the Chevrolet Cruze, wasn't it? It was. And yeah, the yeah. first the first one, what was that in? Uh, that was in the Vauxhall Astra with uh, Muller and uh, Tomo. And uh, just to uh, clarify, you were absolutely correct. There was only twenty six rounds uh, in the championship, two races at each uh, race weekend. Yeah, that that's impressive to take. What that's over seventy five percent, isn't it? That's, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's dominance. Yeah. yeah, that's stunning. Like it or not, that's stunning. The only thing that why he's lower down my list is because when you look at the times he's come second, more often than not he's only come second by, by a couple of points, which yeah. he should be the greatest driver. With coming second five times, there's at least three there where he was close enough to have won it. Well, that so you, that for me is the reason that he's not in my list at all. Is that mm. there is so much more that he could have achieved. Yeah. Um, there's another driver in my list that has won more titles than him that again should have probably achieved more with the time that he's had in his sport but we'll come to him later I think 
the only reason he's in the list there for me is because of the fact he's winning two eras, which I think does mean a lot. You know, yeah. He has come through two eras of the sport and dominated both those eras in his championship wins. What I would say is that if he just didn't have to win all the time, I'm sure we'll get to it when we talk about a couple of other drives later on and play the percentage games. Yeah, consistency. That's all you need to do. You look at his retirement history through the times he came uh, second, and more often than not, he's got several retirements or several non-top 10 finishes because he's tried to be a bit too clever. Yeah. But I don't think you can you could uh, refute his ability and uh, his worthiness as a champion, who's in there for me at number five. Oh, no, I completely agree that he is a stalwart of the sport, but for me, he should have achieved more, as you say. Um, my fifth place driver uh, is only has one British title to his name. Uh, 26 British Touring Car wins uh, out of 355 race starts. Is Andrew Jordan. Made his debut in 2008. Um, him and his father became the first father-son partnership in British Touring Car history. Mm-hmm. And of course they had a solid season with that Honda Integra. Um, passed down from Team Dynamics at the time. Yeah. Uh, he's gone on to take 72 podiums with 7 poles and 20 fastest laps and uh, obviously he's he's shuffled about a bit but his stalwart sponsor Pertec has been there for him for about 10 seasons obviously lost it at the end of last season uh, he's raced in the Vectra if you remember that Do, yes, he had yeah. 3 seasons in the Vectra but as we know he's normally been in the Civic and that was the car he took his title win in in 2013 um, and for 10 of the 11 years in, that he's been in the sport, he's finished inside the top 10 within the whole championship, uh, which is an impressive stand-in for someone, one, so young, the youngest driver's champion that we've had as well. Um, and he's, he's one that the fans enjoy watching race as well. He's, he's, that, he's that happy chappy in the, in the paddock most of the time. Um, unless he's been punted in the side of his car quite severely um, but yeah he's and last season he came second by two points and yeah. was really close to another title I think I agree with you I think that the criticism you levelled at Plato last time rounds can be levelled at him as well yeah. um, I do accept that had it not been for fate last year missing effectively three rounds yeah um, he would have won the title yeah. without Shadow of a Doubt. He was the better driver. He was the best driver on the grid. Yeah. Probably even more so than Cavish, I think, last season. I think he was the best driver on the grid. But uh, I just think that when you look at his time in the sport and his time at the top teams, at the top table, the one is quite a small amount to I mean, one is a great amount of one. I mean, mm. I've never won one. But, <laughs> but equally, you look at his time at the top table in the sport, should he have won more? Yeah, well, only 26 BTCC wins out of 355 starts. It's it's an okay conversion ratio, but there are people in my list that have a much higher percentage yeah. of wins uh, to the races that they've started. So that, for me, is why he's bottom of my five, but I think he, he belongs in there because of how young he was when he won his first championship. Yeah, I can understand. I think it's very much the Jason Plato uh, mould of win at all costs and sometimes that yes. has come to his detriment um, there's no doubt his ability as a driver I remember him really crossing down Paddock Hill Bend uh, and keeping <laughs> that together in the wet which is pretty impressive I think that's in the Pertex Civic from memory but yep. um, I just look at him and think okay he should have two I don't blame him for last year because that was factors completely gone his control yep. so close so he missed effectively the entire round is impressive in his own right yep. but he's not been 
too close to many other times. No, that's no. What, I, I, that's what bothers me slightly. At least with Plato, in my number five, he has been close uh, yeah. five times. Jorgen's either there or not there at all, which... Hmm. Okay, then. Well, moving on to your number four. Yeah, number four for me is the Flying Scotsman. It's Gordon Shedden. Oh, interesting. Now, you may wonder what a treble champion is doing down in fourth place. I certainly so, do. Well, I'll first take you through his, his record, shall we? So, 2012, he won his first title uh, with eight wins and eight podiums and won by 21 points. Uh, this was his most convincing uh, title uh, challenge. 2015, four wins, seven podiums, won by four points. And then 2016, so back-to-back champion, four wins, six podiums, and won by two points. So the reason he's down there for me is that whilst he has won three, the people further up the list have dominated the years they've won it in. Yeah. There's an element to certainly 2016 of luck. You know, I remember he came from the back of the grid and had to drive through the back of the grid of brands. And there was arguments that cars were letting him through, should we say, rather than him racing through. Yep. Your own thoughts on that are uh, obviously your own. But, could, uh, could the same be thought, argued for uh, Colin last season? Possibly so. I certainly remember with the Shedden one in particular, my father getting particularly exercised about the <laughs> fact that I think at one point I can't even indicate to, to say to Shedden come on through. Yep. Um, which, that's a whole other level of sportsmanship uh, to discuss on another day. I just think that whilst he has won the three, and that is incredible in its own right, he's done it at the same team. Yep. A little less impressive than when you look at some of the drivers who've won it at different teams. Yeah. Um, and two have been. It's difficult to say any title has been unconvincing because you have to have convinced to have won it. You don't win it just by turning up, as that's been proven by drivers that haven't won it in our top five nearly. Then. But to win it by four or two, it's just. I, it sounds horrible to say it's taken away by luck, but I just look at it and think he hasn't dominated in the same way drivers further the list have. But you, you could also look at it as he's done just enough to get over the line. You own. You own you only have to win a race in the slowest time to win a yeah, race. And just enough is, is great for winning a championship, but just enough doesn't put you top of my list because the yeah. people who are further up have dominated and absolutely lit the sport up in, in winning their titles. Yeah. I also think that he is a good example of consistency wins you the race. You look at he only took you know, four wins, six podiums in 2016, but still won the, the title. That's yeah. quite a low return, really, Yeah. for a champion, but it was enough. Um, he's sort of a dick the polar opposite to the previous two drivers we've discussed in that he does play a numbers game he does play the team game very much so um, but yeah just not if you look at his first win eight eight wins eight podiums 21 points gap and mm. look at his subsequent two they're just not as impressive for me is that down to the grid becoming more competitive though? I think part of that probably is down to the grid becoming more competitive um, and obviously bad luck hits every driver and to win it back to back isn't yeah, incredible feat in its own right. Mm. Um, as I say, I just for me personally, the ones that are further up the list are ones who have dominated uh, their title wins. Um, well, he but, he is on my list, uh, and he's a little bit further up, so I will come back to him later uh, with my okay. arguments for why he is further up my list. Okay. Uh, but my number four driver uh, is a driver that hasn't been in the championship very long, comparative to all my other drivers uh, he has a British title to his name and that is Ash Sutton oh okay not my list at all um, so 120 race starts uh, made his debut in 2016 
uh, taking 14 uh, wins, 5 poles and 10 fastest laps. In his first season he took a win and a pole in his first season coming through from winning the Clio Championship uh, and he goes on to take his title in his second season which for me is impressive especially in the car that he did it in. Being the Subaru Levorg it was notably difficult to get that car to work at the places that it needed to work and Plato was very vocal about that at times. Um, oh, well, and so was Turkey too. Not yes. as vocal, but you can see the, the caliber of driver who couldn't make it work. Yeah. You make a good point, yeah. Um, and so the fact that he came in with that caliber of driver around him in that team as well and still was able to outshine them and drive the car as hard as it needed to be driven and then in the following two seasons that he spent in it he was well outperforming what that car could do yeah um and for me to come in from dom well dominating the clios having that warm up season in the mg and then hitting the ground running in the second season um to take the title convincingly is pretty good to be fair and only four seasons in the sport so far he could go on to win a few more if he goes on to develop this new infinity with Moffitt and I think it's a car that will suit him I, I agree with all that you said um, I think he is one that if we revisited this in five, six, seven years time he would probably be on my list Yeah, because I think we'd have won a couple more by then he misses out just by virtue of everyone else on this list have got multiple titles to their name yeah. um, I wouldn't really consider anyone who's only won it once uh, just because, you know, these other drivers have backed it up by doing it again. But with Ash Sutton, I certainly think he will come back mm. with another title um, before too long. Um, but I just think I, I couldn't. Will you hear my three to one? I couldn't take those out to put Sutton in because he's only done it the once. Yeah, I think the other reason that he's also gone in into my top five is because of how honest and upfront he is with the media as well and to fans. If he's not happy about something that's gone on in the race, he he will show it, and he wears his heart on his sleeve. Um, and I he, think he that does. makes him endearing but, to the fans, although can get I, him in trouble. I disagree. You see, to me, I can understand why people do think think that of him at times. To me, he comes across at times as a bit of a, a toys at the pram. A snap yeah. last year comes to mind. I mean, I know it's the same way I could have football matches. If you stick a, a microphone under a manager's nose, you know, seconds after losing a big final, you're going to get you know, would you expect? Would you expect? I just think that sometimes it's endearing. Other times you think, oh, come on, yeah, come on. But I think that's that's the nature of the sport. That's the nature of the beast. When you interview people so soon after the event, what annoyed you about this next incident last year more was he just kept on about it. In <laughs> Very similar to uh, the chap in the Clio's um, Max Coates um, in that. They, <laughs> Sometimes he doesn't let a grudge go. I mean, that's not an argument for why he's not a good champion. I mean, that's just personal preference to if you like him or not. Um, I say, I think he is going to go down in the history as one of the greats in the sport. I think he'll be at the table with multiple titles in years to come. I just don't think he's in the top five yet for me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Shall I go to my number three? Yes, go on then. Number three, it's the only non-British driver in my list. Yeah. And it's the Fab Fabrizio Giovinardi. Ooh. So... He only he dabbled a little bit in the nineties, yeah. Uh, but he won the everyone did. Uh, title, everyone did from time to time. <laughs> uh, but he won his title his second full season. 
uh, down in history as a very clean, very hard, very fair driver. Um, you didn't have many people have a bad word against him. No. Uh, even in the paddock or on the grid. Very well respected. Um, and when I talk about dominance, 2007, he only won the championship by three points because that was a, such a fiercely competitive year. But 10 wins, a third of the wins and a further seven podiums. So 17 top three finishes over that season. And that, yeah. that is dominance to me. That is fantastic. Um, and I think that was probably the fiercest season I can remember, 2007. Yeah. Um, so he only won it by three points that year. And he came back in 2008 to defend the title I won it by 36 points. Yep. Uh, that season, he took five wins uh, and 10 podiums. So slightly less than the season before. Played the numbers a little bit more. But I, the thing I loved about Giovinardi is that I just loved watching him race because he would make moves out of nothing but make them clean. So yeah. it wasn't the Matt Neal tap you sideways through clearways I'm coming through the battleground. It was that you've left the tiniest sliver here and I'm going to catch you out and do it completely fairly at the same time. Yeah. I can't remember too many instances of Giovinardi in an accident that he caused. Uh, his first race of Brands in 2006, he did, when he tried to go down the inside of Turkey and ended up in the barriers. However, when it came to the actual, his, you know, his full second season, and then subsequent season 2008, I just don't remember too many instances he was involved in. Do you think he regrets coming back? Because he had that little stint coming back, didn't he? Mm. Um, which think... didn't really go too well for him. I think he came back perhaps not quite understanding the limitations of the car he was going to be in. Yeah. Obviously, he won his two titles at Vauxhall in a time when VXR were really breaking back into the sport and he had success in the Astra and then success in the Vectra. That also shouldn't go under um, Raps Ivy. He won that in the Vectra, which is a new car to him at the time as well. Yeah. Um, and a new car for Vauxhall to run, having run the Astra for so long yeah. in various different forms. Yeah, the Vectra came in and was excellent. Um, I think perhaps he may regret coming back slightly because I don't think the car was well, it wasn't up to what he needed to be. Uh, he got a few you know, subpar performances in it, but you can only deal with the, with the equipment you've got. Um, I think most people have struggled in that car. Uh, I certainly try to remember Giovinardi as the times in, in 2007, 2008, 2006 as the time where I really enjoyed watching him race. And a really nice guy in the pit as well. Really nice chap. Yeah. Very respectful of the fans, the media, the other drivers. I just think he's a, a really good champion. I, I wish he was there for longer. Um, it was almost... I don't want to say flash in the pan because he's won two titles, but you wonder whether he, if he had stayed, whether he could have pushed the limits and gone on to be even more successful than he was. Um, quite quite possibly, but obviously he had other um, disciplines to try and face yeah. down. What's interesting as well is I remember a few weeks ago you said the Stade Layer was one of the best in your top five for cars on mm. the grid, and obviously he beat that two years running. Yeah, you know he he was in a difficult era of the sport, a competitive era of the sport. Um, there was quite a big gap as well between some of the uh, talent on the grid, which could cause difficulties if you started lower down or if yep. you were lapping cars, etc. And he came out roses. So for me, worthy place in the top three. Uh, okay then, I. We'll see your third place, and I'll raise you to mine. Uh, I've made a slight little change to what we said before the podcast. I've got Gordon Shedding going in at number three for mine. And okay. As you said, you've already had him up. Had his full BTCC debut in 2006 with Team Halfords. Uh, yep. Bought in mainly as a support driver for Matt Neal, because obviously he'd won the title the season before. Um, 
and began to prove himself as a worthy race winner um, for the following years, building up to 2012 when he took his first title, as you said, in a slightly more dominant fashion than the two after that. But for a driver to come to uh, retain a title 2015 to 2016 is a feat within itself. Not many drivers have done that within the within the sport. Um, for seven consecutive years, he finished in the top three of the championship from 2010 to 2017. Wow. Now, for me, that spells a very consistent driver and one who understands when you need to push, when you need to hang back, and when you need to gain the points that you need for a championship. Um, 317 starts, not the most, but a good ratio of podiums in there. About 124, I think. Um, and the 11 years that he spent in the sport, although it was in a very competitive car, being at Team Dynamics or Team Halfords, he's still done very well. And for the majority of his time, he outshone Matt Neal, which is an impressive task within itself, because we know how good a driver Matt Neal has been within the championship for all the years that he's been there. Um, so that's why he's in in at third for me. I can understand why he's, why he's in the top three. Um, my criteria is very much who dominated and who, you know, as discussed previously. The I suppose I'm slightly biased against the team because, as mentioned briefly, the brand's hatch thing did leave a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, I have to say. I I get that it's the last race of the season and you've got sponsors you want to, you know, you don't upset and you, you know, it's a showpiece. The last thing you want is to write off the car by getting into an instant with a faster one. Yeah. To me, I don't like seeing any uh, form of letting people through. I don't mm. like it personally. I think you should race. I think you should be racing wherever you are on the grid. I understand why it happens completely. If you're a relatively small uh, team and you don't, you want to be in it next year, don't fancy an end of season build to repair things. Of course, you're going to get out the fast guy's way. Yeah. It just leaves a bit of a sour taste with me, which I didn't have with Giovinazzi um, in what, which is why he's higher actually, and why the other two are higher as well, is that. I don't have that same sour taste as it did with Shedden. That's fair not enough. Not taking away from what Shedden did. Uh, yeah. It's not his fault. It's not his fault the car's going out his way at the end of the day. You know, it's not, it's not his fault at all. And he still had to get past him and still had to keep it on the track and push and push. And we saw last year of Cambridge that that's not always easy. Um, it just left a little little sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I think the only one sort of like downside to uh, Shedden's BTCC uh, stint slash career was in 2009 we had that uncertainty with uh, Team Dynamics and then moving into a Sayat and he was chopping and changing cars that season and it just didn't didn't sit right for him and then when he went back to Dynamics and Halford he was right up there with the best drivers on the grid oh yeah definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah moving on to your number two then Number two, and you are going to absolutely slate me for it, but there we go. It's uh, the most successful, joint most successful driver on the grid, uh, and it's Colin Turpton. He's not a number one for me, and I'm going to defend this to the hill. Oh, here we go. Okay, so part of this will probably be some people start shouting, BMW bias, you hate BMW, everyone hates BMW, and to a degree, yes, that is true. Although um, he, I, he wants one in his next car, just pointing that out. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I want one of my yeah. next car, but I'm going to drive it and get specialist treatment, uh, allegedly. <laughs> um, no, no, all jokes aside, we'll go for his stats first. So, 2009 was his first title, six wins, eight podiums, one by five points. 
2014, eight wins, 11 podiums, won by 35 points. 2018 was the most bizarre for me, where he proved you can win a title by consistent scoring. Yeah. So, and even then though, one win, nine podiums, which is, yeah. that's low as well, really. Yeah, it is. Uh, and won that by 12 points, which is crazy that he didn't even get that many podiums and still won by a decent margin of points. And of course, last year, again, low stats, five wins, three podiums, won by two points. Tad lucky, perhaps, as we discussed with Andrew Jordan stuff earlier on, and also with Dan Carriage going off with brain yep. failure. However, consistency told and he scored the points he needed. Yep. My only criticism of Colin Turkton as a title is that, at the risk of sounding quite bullshit, it's quite boring. <laughs> he's, he is quite boring as a driver. You know, he's, he is quite clean on the whole. Yeah. Um, he is a, a, good, a good racing driver. Does he get me out my seat? Do I go, oh, wow, that's an incredible move like I have with other people on, the, on this list and other drives on the grid? No. He doesn't take too many risks, which isn't a bad thing. It's I was, was going to say, not, not taking too many risks will win you titles, though. It does, but I like a flamboyant champion. I like one who who will you know, go the extra mile and win more races. And When you're younger, you, you fall in love with racing drivers. I never sort of watched Colin Turkey thinking, God, I want to be like him when I'm older. I looked at Giovinardi, Plato, Neil, and thought they're the sort of drivers I want to be. Okay, but Plato and Giovinardi are lower, lower in your list. Yeah, because they're more <laughs> You can't, you can't, his technique works. I can't yeah. dispute his technique. It works fantastically. He's won, you know, four titles doing so, back-to-back titles as well. Yeah. Um, but you look at the, the breakdown, it's only won one convincingly that 35-point margin in 2014 with the eight wins. He's just, as I say, it is, it is a criticism. It's a niche criticism. It's just a bit boring watching him go about his business because he is so safe, so sure, gets the points. You know, if I've got a fourth, is it worth risking the third? No, I'll stick here in fourth and get those points, which is great, and it works. I can't take away from what he's done. It works perfectly, but I don't get out my seat in the same way I do watching the other drivers. Fair enough. Okay. Well, he is, in, he is in my list, uh, and he is number one in my list. So I'll get on to him when I when I get to my number one. Um, my number two, who I believe is your number one, is Matt Neal. Uh, right. Three British titles, so 63 British Touring Car wins, second of all time. Uh, 693 race starts, yep. which is astonishing. Uh, 165 podiums with 52 fastest laps and only 17 pole positions, um, which slightly disappointing possibly. Uh, hey, you could look at another way. So he turns bad grid positions into podiums and wins. Yes, yes. Um, so he debuted debuted in 1991 uh, and has been a mainstay of the sport, as we know. Uh, pushed his way through developing cars, building obviously the current team around him and his father. Um, although, yes, he had ventures elsewhere, didn't he? At Vauxhall with yeah. VXR and Export. Um, but as I said, majority of his career has been at Team Halford slash Dynamics. He's also mentored drivers that have come through, um, which I think is something that needs to be taken into account when you look at top drivers and how they're bringing the rest of the younger drivers through and making those into better drivers. Uh, which I think is excellent. Been in the sport for nearly two decades. However, for me, he's not at the top because he could have achieved more. 
So he's finished finish runner-up twice and finished third on the further three occasions in the championship. Now for me, if you have a bit more consistency and a bit more uh, forethought, like Shedden did and like Turkington does, then he may have won an extra two or three titles, taking him to be being the best British touring car driver of all time. That is exciting. Yes, he that is he... exciting, um, and there have certainly been fireworks when he's got into battles. Um, but <laughs> may I lay the case then to why he's won number one? Go on then. Okay, so he's won in two areas of the sport. For yep. me, I think you can take pre twenty ten as a different area of the sport. Okay. Uh, there's a rule change around then as well, so I think you can take that as a as an era of the sport. Won back to back titles, yes, uh, 2005 2006. Won again then 2011. Uh, 2005, he won the championship by 43 points. Yep. 2006, won the title by 48 points. In a car <laughs> that was completely dominant of the championship uh, at that you point. You say that, in 2006, he was up against the Saiyans, which you put in your top five every week. Yes, but I also had the Honda Integra in there. You did, you did. Which was but, a dominant car. Yeah, but, but okay, but your car, <laughs> Colin Turkington, has been in a dominant car. I mean, yeah. He's been in a DTM for the last two years. They say. <laughs> um, so... In 2005, he took six wins, 14 podiums, and finished every single race. Yep. Now, how good your car is or not, that is impressive, and score points in each of those races. That is, for me, the ultimate dominant season. Yeah. Uh, you can't beat that. 2006, he uh, took eight wins, nine podiums, and in 2011, seven wins, six podiums. So he's always scoring well. Um, I think the other thing that puts him ahead of Turkey for me is his team player. Would Shedden have won his titles about Matt Neal? With the mentoring and also with the way he plays the field with Shedden. When he knows he can't win it himself, how, you saw it last year with Cavish. He did everything possible, including possibly taking Turkson off unfairly, possibly not, depending on your view of what camp you sit in. He will do anything he can for the team. And I think that puts him ahead of Turkson for me. Okay, but in recent years, so since probably 2015, mm-hmm. when Shedden was shining through and taking his titles... Obviously, Matt Neal has been there to back him up and bring him through. But do we question whether Matt Neal is gradually tailing off now? I think that's fair. I think every drive has their peak, and I think he probably is over the over his peak, um, so to speak. But then it, that's even more commendable, in my opinion, that he's then stayed on the sport to mentor other drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do seriously doubt whether Shedden would have three titles about Matt Neal as a teammate. I, I genuinely do doubt whether he would have won them about Matt Neal. Okay. I Interesting. think when you see the way Neal does the rear guard action, he does it so well. He literally, he'll let the car in front go and just sit and sit and back everybody up and mm. make them all trip over each other and annoy the, the jeepers of everybody else to make sure his teammate can win. And that is so that I don't think any of the other drivers on my list have, by the way. I think Neal's unbreakable team spirit and team play puts him up a gear for me is that a reason though that he hasn't won more titles I think there's a there's a you can argue that once he realises he's probably out of it he doesn't do the play to approach of well balls to the wall let's see how many I can win yeah I think he then probably plays the more safe approach um, 
but he's provided me so much joy over the years watching him race. Mm. He's been, uh, you know, the Emmy driver's nemesis at one point. He's won a title, <laughs> Matt Neal's been the nemesis off, you know. He still performs at a good level today. Okay, he's not in the same pomp as he was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. He's not a terrible driver today. He's still getting podiums and picking up wins, etc. Yeah. And he's still got that team spirit. I mean, you could say you could get quite bitter at somebody like Dan Cam coming through, being the driver he was 15 years ago and deciding not to help him. We saw Plato mm. not want to help Turkton and certainly the Subarus a couple of years ago because he couldn't get it to work. Neil could have been bitter about this and gone, well, I'm just going to try and get as many points as I can. But no, he, he takes the team first and tries to get the best result for the team, which is why Dynamics have dominated for the last few last 15 years in the constructors and manufacturers. Okay, so on the contrary to that, the reason that Colin Turkington is my number one, as you say, four British titles, uh, equal with Andy Rouse, 51 British touring car wins from 422 race starts, 56 fastest laps, 141 podiums, 15 years in the sport, obviously a little less than Matt Neal, uh, including a little three-year hiatus. Um, but he has come through and built up his own pedigree. Um, whereas, uh, people might not like this, but my argument is that Matt Neal has had that security to go back to Team Dynamics almost whenever he wants. I accept that. I do accept that when things didn't go well at Vauxhall, most of the drivers would have been out on their ass trying to find a drive after that. I, I do agree with that. I do accept that. Um, but equally, the argument back there would be that BMW don't take on everybody, and they do seem to give Colin whatever he needs and whatever he wants. That's because they know how good a driver he is, and the the time between titles for Turkington, I think he could quite easily go on to win another one or two, quite easily as well. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And they they show so much faith in him because of the consistency that he brings to the team and obviously the hard work and dedication behind the scenes that he's their star driver um, I know obviously they've got Oliphant as the reserve slash backup driver when they need him and now that they've brought on Andrew Jordan full time that obviously there's going to be competition there but I think that will be healthy competition pushing each of them to their to their best um, and for me a four time British title winner in less time than Matt Neal has been in the sport um, just pushes him up into that top top place for me I suppose the only thing I would but against that is that there's only been two seasons I can remember where Collins not had one of the best cars in the grid yeah yeah, the Atomic Kitten uh, MG and then this RAC MG. Other than that, he's pretty much had the best the car. Subaru. So won a championship, didn't it? Yeah, but we know how badly that other drivers have suffered in that Subaru. Sutton seems to be the only one that seems to be able to drive it. Yeah, so I can't decide on Subaru whether that's because Sutton is an elite driver and underrated. And yeah. Colin and Jason couldn't even, despite the pedigree, or whether the Subaru was just so undrivable that for some reason it suited Sutton where it wouldn't suit the other two but what we would say is that you know Sutton did win a title in that car yes he did I don't think you can say I don't think you can say it's, it was the worst on the grid oh. you won it convincingly okay then was he struggling in that car because it was his first season back from his hiatus or was it because it wasn't a real drive BMW 
possibly. But then I suppose equally you could have to label a say about Neil, he's won three titles in a whole Yeah. You can you can label you can make that argument. I think the thing alternative for me, as, as I said when I discussed with number two, is two things. One, there is the slight BMW bias. I do I'm still not quite forgiven the way the touring cars treated Ingram and Sutton at Knock Hill uh, <laughs> in, in, years the ago. Yeah. in the wet. Yeah. Which would have put Ingram top of the championship, by the way, at the time. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite over how that worked in the regulations and how that came to pass. Particularly in the same weekend, Colin did a massive push to pass on Stephen Jelly and put him into the gravel. Yeah. It all, I mean, you know, I'm not shouting conspiracy theory or anything like that. It just seemed a little bit. You're just whispering yeah. it. When people, you know, people screen the BMW bias, and then sometimes you go, of course not. But then you see a weekend like that, and you go, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think yeah. that plays part of it. And I think the other part, as I said in, in the other bit we discussed, is I just find him quite dull. I don't find him an exciting driver. Matt Neal, when you see him up, battling up front, you don't know what's going to happen. Is he going to end up sideways? Is he going to do a battering round pass down clearways? Who knows? But it's exciting. Yeah. With Colin, it's just, he waits for it to be perfect, which is not a criticism in a way. Because it works. He waits for yeah. it to be absolutely perfect to do the overtake. It's never a scruffy overtake. Calculated. Coming. Yeah, it's never scruffy. It's never unclean. Or rarely unclean. Unless you're Stephen Jelly. Um, but is that exciting to watch? And my argument is no, it's not. Fair enough. <laughs> do you like boring champions? If your football team won the league, actually, Everton aren't going to win the league. If they won the league by winning 1 0 every week, would you go, oh, they're great champions? Arsenal and Man United have done it for years. Yeah, didn't they? One of the most exciting teams to watch. And I suppose the argument is you don't remember the exciting guys unless they win. Mm. I, I completely accept that. Arguably, me, arguably, Leicester did that in their season. They took the one nil wins when they needed to take them, and that bought them the title in the end. And they were fairly dull to watch at times. I didn't overly enjoy watching them all season, but. I but, like swashbuckling. But, I like swashbuckling football, swashbuckling sport. I like heavy metal sport. <laughs> oh dear. Well, we're obviously got differing opinions in our top five, but we have come up with a top five. Um, if we just run back through, mine is in number five, we have Andrew Jordan, followed by Ash Sutton at number four. Number three is Gordon Shedden. My number two is Matt Neal, and my top champion in the British Touring Cars is Colin Turkington. How about yours? Okay, so uh, number five was Jason Plato. Uh, number four, the Flying Scotsman, Gordon Flash Shedden. Uh, number three, Fabrizio Giovinardi. Number two, a driver who hasn't done the mentoring uh, I can see in the same way Matt Neal has, or is the same team player as Matt Neal, is Colin Turkington. Just to sink those in. Uh, and at number one, it is. Sorry, Dad. Matt Neal. <laughs> um, well, okay. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, and we've got a little bit of British Touring Car news coming up for you. Moving into the news now. Um, as some of you may have seen already this week, there have been announcements to engine suppliers in the future and also track changes and regulation changes for the rest of this season when it hopefully gets underway. Uh, I'll be taking a little look at what will be happening from 2022 onwards and the new engine supplier. So obviously Swindon engines have been supplying the NGTC spec engine since 2011. Um, and there's been almost a, a bidding war between four different companies to take over the, 
the mantle of supplying the engines. Um, from 2022 onwards, when we will be entering the hybrid era, era um, and M Sport will be the new provider um, from 2022 onwards. 55% of the grid currently use the Swindon engines, um, and they will be working in collaboration with Cosworth, who will be providing the hybrid systems that are set to also come into place. Mm-hmm. Um, M Sport are known for their work mainly with the M Sport Ford World Rally team. Uh, run previously by the CEO Malcolm Wilson uh, and they also have Bentley G- Continental GT3 package which also runs in series like the WEC um, and the Blanc Plan Endurance Championship uh, so when it comes to companies knowing about their racing pedigree M Sport are right up there um, and they have it running through their veins uh, Alan Gale has welcomed them with open arms into the series and as I said they were, they were one of four companies on the shortlist competing um, and they've come out on top so it'll be interesting to see whether there will be changes to the specs um, or whether we'll still be running similar layouts obviously with the Cosworth hybrid system coming in will we have a drop into maybe 1.6 litres like the F1 engines or will we stay at the 2 litre turbos or it'll be interesting to see what changes will be happening yeah, and another question I think is worth asking is, do we think we'll see Ford enter as a manufacturer? Uh, I'd, I'd certainly like to hope so. Obviously, if they if teams enter as manufacturers, they're freely allowed to build their own engines, which um, Vauxhall are doing now. Um, Honda have done for years, as have BMW. Um, questions over those have been readily available throughout the seasons. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how different companies or different teams will like to run their packages or if we'll see a Ford Cosworth entry under the same sort of banner yeah possibly possibly Um, well move on to my piece of news then I have two bits to bring you Uh, first of all as part of the ongoing COVID-19 and trying to get the season back up and running they've decided to switch Brands Indy and Brands GP Uh, so Brands GP will take place ahead of Brands Indy now um, we're not entirely sure as to why we have debated it might be due to light issues and trying to light up the back of the circuit if uh, we get dark considering the times that it was supposed to be racing there I was going to um, say it's going to be finishing in mid-November at this rate yeah. Um, so yeah it will be getting darker a lot earlier and I think that will be a safety concern more than anything I would love to see a night race I know oh, that yeah. I was always looking for ways to reinvent the sport of reversing the grid and doing that double points race I would love to see a night race yeah it'd be, it. it'd be quite easy to do it as well um just well you say that the councils and their curfews get involved that's the main problem well yeah but the curfew is normally only done on times so with with it getting dark so early you could easily have a last race being a, a night race um yeah and sticking some lights on the cars and having that spectacle of seeing the flames shooting out from the back of the cars and yeah i think it would be excellent I personally love that. Um, and the other piece of news is that uh, they have decided to remove the option tyre compound from each week race weekend, meaning that each weekend the cars will be running mediums only, apart from Thruxton, where due to the fact that medium tyres tend to blow up somewhat, <laughs> uh, the hard tyre will be used at Thruxton. No uh, confirmation yet as to whether it be a special hard tyre. In the past, Dunlop has created their own yeah. type of tyre for Thruxton. Obviously, Dunlop are not the uh, tire specialist anymore, it's 
down to Goodyear. Uh, Goodyear. So whether they will develop their own special hard type for Thruxton, we don't know as of yet, but they, those are the current rule changes. I'm not entirely sure why they've decided to remove the options higher. Um, I but, think it might be to bring costs down for the year, obviously, because teams have still, I assume, been paying their employees. They'll be looking to cut costs elsewhere with the season also continuing for longer. I also have another theory that if the season has to be curtailed early, it'll be a lot easier to work out final standings based on everyone having the same tyre rather than trying to work out who's run what tyres when and what advantages that carried, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah, especially if possibility with race weekends maybe getting cut down from three events to two events. Yeah, which is why if you compare it to the Premier League, well, they're so desperate to get the Arsenal, City and Burnley games done because if they then have to then suspend the league or cancel it early, everyone would play the same number of games. It's a lot easier to try and work out yeah. final standings, etc. So I think that might also be in the back of organisers' minds. Well, I think that pretty much brings us to a close this week, Sam. Um, next week, we're going to be looking at top five seasons. Yeah. listening closely, you may already know what my number one is, but <laughs> that's up to you to go back and listen. Um, yeah, have you enjoyed this week's? Yeah, it's been it's been good researching as well, um, and I'm looking forward to next one uh, because there are so many different seasons for different reasons that you could choose from, yeah. um, and it will be interesting to see. We'll probably collate a top five together and make arguments for and against. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on your top five champions that we've had throughout the years including ones before we even started watching um, as we said Andy Rouse will probably be up there for quite a few of you being a joint four time uh, British Touring Car champion uh, we'd love to hear from you uh, go and give us a review, comment, share subscribe, all that jazz with your friends um, and we hope you all stay safe and stay well and uh, we'll be back again same time next week Remember to subscribe, follow and also share our podcast for more touring car updates. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by just searching for BTCP, British Touring Car Podcast. And you can also contact us there or on our email at btccpod at gmail.com.